Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, And it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, the travel detective, Peter Greenberg. 
everybody, Peter Greenberg here, and welcome aboard this latest edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, if you've been having trouble dealing with airlines, hotels, cruise lines, or tour operators during COVID-19, welcome to the club, especially when it comes to getting refunds for trips that are clearly not happening. We'll start by talking with the travel editor of the Wall Street Journal, Scott McCartney, about what's going on and what isn't going on and what you can do about it. And then my conversation with Charlie Leoka, the CEO of Travelers United and their ongoing consumer protection fight for passengers when it comes to unfair airline practices ranging from ticket policies to the safety problems created by just the space between the seats, which, by the way, was an issue that existed long before the pandemic. Up first, Scott McCartney. He's the travel editor of the Wall Street Journal and also a regular on our show, The Travel Detective on PBS, Scott McCartney. So, Scott, any refunds coming your way? <laughs> no refunds coming my way, but I do have a correction for you, Peter. I, I, I love the, uh, the new destination codes, but I think uh, bathroom needs to be Lou, L-O-O. Okay, uh, let me was, let me write that down. I'll make that yep. correction. <laughs> yep, <laughs> a more global feel to it. <laughs> but but here's the problem with with the codes: you can't add in new ones because you're in an enclosed space, right? You only get the bedroom, the living room, the bathroom, and the kitchen uh, unless you want to add ceiling, <laughs> right? Yeah, I in, in on my routine uh, in my passport, I've got office OFC. Okay, <laughs> and, I can and, live and with we, that. And we designated backyard BKY. <laughs> okay, how about how, how about RFND? Oh no, I, I, too many letters. Refund. <laughs> taken. Refund. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good luck. Um, you know, this is this is a huge issue. It's it's a huge issue for consumers um, who have thousands of dollars tied up in trips that they're not going to be able to take, and it's a huge issue for airlines, hotels, tour companies, every everybody else who a lot of whom are going to face bankruptcy. Um, I don't think it's fair that they essentially, in some cases, illegally hold on to consumer money because they're running out of money. Uh, they have other ways, in some cases, to raise money that are just not as uh, attractive. Um, but, um, you know, it is, uh, is, is really tough and hitting the travel business hard. You know, I remember, uh, uh, at least in the state of California and some other states not too long ago, that if you were going to be a tour operator and be registered with the state, you had to confirm to that state that if Scott McCartney booked a travel a travel trip with me, a, a tour for next July, that I had to put that money into an escrow account that I could not touch until the actual trip departed. Um, I think people have forgotten the word escrow. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, although a lot of it uh, sort of fell to the credit card companies. Um, and credit card companies were supposed to be doing holdbacks. Uh, from, you know, when you, when you buy that tour, um, so that the credit card company could have the money to refund you if things fell apart. Yeah, but here's the interesting part of that, because when many of my listeners did, you know, book their trips and their, and their, you know, their excursions on with credit cards, then the actual tour company said, we're only going to give you a voucher or a credit for a future trip. And when they disputed the charge with the credit card company, it was denied because the tour operator said, oh, no, we offered him a voucher. Yeah. And that's, and that's not the right way to go, especially if the credit card company was doing the holdbacks. That's right. And, you know, I think there's, there's going to have to be legal action. Um, there's going to have to be, you know, it's different rules in different countries. Um, if you're dealing with a tour operator overseas, uh, you know, we've seen even with airlines, we've, we've seen, you know, any airline that flies to the United States is supposed to comply with United States regulations. But a lot of them haven't. Even Air Canada 
Canada is is saying, no, well, we're going to follow Canadian rules, um, which give us the right to deny you a refund. And what's interesting about that, if you go back to the U.S. DOT rule, it's, it, it involves any airline that flies within the United States to or from the United States, which, as you say, Scott, also includes international carriers. Here's the deal. In some cases, it's contained in the airline's own contract of carriage that you're entitled to a refund if they cancel the flight. And so what, what I see is going to happen is this. As long as your trip, and this, by the way, is not just airlines, everybody, hotels, it's tour operators. If your trip is the total amount of your trip is under $7,500, get ready for small claims court. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a parade of cases. And my guess is, and I don't think I'm going to be wrong, that everybody's going to, you know, the plaintiffs are going to, you know, going to, going to win because there are like hundreds of small claims court judges trying to get their own refunds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a no brainer. Uh, and, and, and what really bothers me is how the rules have changed by the hour. You may go back to this because you wrote the story, Scott, when the pandemic really hit, was declared a pandemic, when airlines started shutting down uh, and routes started getting closed, the airlines didn't change their policies right away. They just didn't want to do it. And then next thing you know, they changed them a little again, then again and again as the backlash got, got stronger. Most of it was involving how much they were going to value the voucher they were going to give you, whether they're going to give you a 10% premium and dollar value over what you paid or up to 25%. And then they started extending the, the, the eligibility saying, oh, you've got two years to use the voucher. Well, they might as well give me nine years to use the voucher, but who knows if the airline's going to be around. No, that's right. In some, ca- in some cases, it's true with cruise lines, too. I've talked to people who had $40,000 tied up in a cruise, and, you know, they're older folks, and, and they're just not going to go. Um, but the, the vouchers, airline vouchers, this is an opportunity, I think, for airlines to win over a lot of good customer, um, a lot of customer goodwill uh, after generating so much ill feelings about this. But they could take the vouchers and they could say, okay, you know what? You can change the name on a voucher. Anybody could use it. Uh, so people could sell their vouchers. They could give it to their children or their grandchildren or whoever might be more willing to travel. Um, they could get some value out of it uh, rather than Boy, being that, so that's restrictive. A great, that's a great idea. It creates an entire secondary market without any liability financially on the airline. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, if you could sell your voucher for, you know, 80 cents on the dollar or whatever, the consumer would be happy. The airline doesn't have to shell out any money. Uh, somebody gets to travel at a discount. And, you know, it's a uh, I think it, I think it works. Uh, and I think uh, we, we've seen airlines relax rules for all kinds of things that the, the travel waivers, waivers of change fees and all. Um, there's really no reason why they couldn't uh, take these particular vouchers issued during the pandemic and say, you know what, um, with them, we're going to give you, the consumer, more flexibility uh, to actually get value out of that voucher. Uh, people would love it. Uh, it it's an easy way for airlines to um, win back some some customers. You're absolutely right. In fact, what's really interesting now, and, and uh, whether it's United American, Delta, or any of the other airlines, you got to go back and knock on the door again because – yeah. Initially, they they wouldn't even volunteer that you were entitled to a refund if they canceled the flight first. And a lot of people unwittingly just said, OK, well, if all, all I get is a voucher, I guess I'll take it. Well, if you can prove that you didn't cancel the flight first and the airline did and never even volunteered the information of a refund, you have a stronger standing. I, I know. But this 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 particular issue drives me crazy. Uh um, people, you know, in all good conscience said, you know what, the border's closed, I'm not going. The airline hadn't yet canceled the flight, but they called up th- figuring they were doing the right thing. 
canceled the flight. Airline said, you're only entitled to a voucher. There is only one airline, Hawaiian, that is actually going back and saying, you know what, we're, we're going to offer those people uh, a, a possible refund, uh, the option of a refund if they want. And that's the fair thing to do. That's the right thing to do. Um, people got pressured into uh, going ahead and canceling flights when they didn't have the full range of options. And, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, you know, United was at the end of April, United was sending people notices that they had to make their changes by April 30th. Um, well, they hadn't canceled a whole lot of flights in May, June, July and, and beyond yet. And you know what? They extended the deadline on April 29th, but um, people really got uh, forced into making a decision that, that cost them a lot of money. I know. And the, and the rules keep changing. In fact, United Airlines basically canceled 95 percent of their flights for June, but they waited to the last minute to do it. Uh, rule of thumb for the moment, and you and I are going to talk about this in, in, in the next segment, but rule of thumb for the moment is if your flight is showing on the Internet as being scheduled and still operating on time and it's for June or July, right now I would say there's about a 75% chance it ain't going uh, because the states aren't opening up fast enough, and not only that, airlines aren't going to react fast enough because the average load factors are so low they're amazed that they're flying in the first place something that you and I are going to talk about, about why airlines are still flying so many empty planes. But bottom line is this. If you get, if you don't get satisfaction from a tour operator or, or, or a travel agent, or and by the way, you have to ask the question, as you and I have always asked, Scott, is the travel agent the agent of the airline or, the, or your agent? Or, they, or, or it even gets into the area of booking on an online travel agency because the people who have gone through the OTAs to get a refund have almost always been disappointed. Uh, they always side on the airline because they all want to hold on to the revenue. It's 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 really crazy. Scott, you had a great story just in Thursday's Wall Street Journal on, you know, why empty planes keep flying. And, of course, the name of your column, which is so perfect for this, is the middle seat, because we've seen other airlines like Delta saying that they're not going to book middle seats during the pandemic and that, you know, they're going to guarantee that through the end of June. And it's easy for them to say if there are only seven people on the plane. The real question then becomes what happens after this? You know, will will you think there will be you know, any kind of regulation because of social distancing, because even social distancing by taking rid of the, getting rid of the middle seat doesn't give you six feet, doesn't right. even give you two feet. So what do you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, I think it's a fascinating question. And I did start to worry that um, I was going to have to change the name of the column. Um, but now I'm pretty sure I don't. Um, I think the middle seat is staying uh, both in, uh, in the Wall Street Journal and in airplanes. You know, the reality is the airline industry can't make money unless they fill those middle seats. And I think for there to be regulation, Regulation saying they can't fly middle seats. The airline industry is very adaptive. A lot of them don't have, certainly not many wide body planes left with middle seats, um, but you can arrange the, the seatings uh, to eliminate the middle seat. But the problem is it, it doesn't give you social distancing, uh, you know, as you alluded to. Are you also going to say that you can't have two people sitting side by side in an aisle, across an aisle? Because they're pretty close. They're 18 inches apart. They're not six feet apart. What are you going to do about the person behind? behind you uh, who sneezes or coughs. There's not a way in a 12-foot wide tube to space people apart sufficiently to provide protection. So if you're not providing protection, what are you doing? You're really just giving people sort of emotional comfort. I think it's unsettling to people when there's somebody shoulder to shoulder or stranger uh, next to you in that middle seat. To me, the reality of this is airlines are going to want to fill them uh, and people aren't going to want to fly because 
because of it. So I think it's it's one of the big reasons why the industry is going to be much smaller uh, than it was because people just aren't going to want to get on airplanes. Uh, are you surprised about the Frontier announcement and then the retraction? You know, about the $39 to block the seat next to you. You know, we had Congressman Steve Cohen on the show last week talking about masks and also just seat crunchiness. And for that announcement by Frontier certainly got his attention. Yeah. You know, ironically, it's actually something that I've advocated for for years. Um, the, the, the ability, look, an empty middle seat is statistically is a huge driver of comfort. Um, surveys have shown in the past, if the middle seat is empty, uh, the plane more on time. The flight attendants are friendly or the food, you know, back in the days when there was food, uh, <laughs> tasted better. If there's nobody crunching you next to you, it's a much better experience. So why not offer people the chance to pay for that comfort? I would rather pay for an empty middle seat than I would pay for extra legroom. Um, I think that concept, that makes more sense. The problem with the Frontier thing was they were forcing it on a pandemic. You have to pay $39 for, you know, for your life, for your health in profiting from the pandemic is is not a good thing. Um, so I'm not surprised they backed down from that. But, you know, frankly, I would love to see it come back someday as an option that, you know, a lot of travelers would like to take advantage of. Speaking of the middle seat being empty, how about the entire plane being empty? You know, we have a situation now where, you know, the load factors are ridiculous. It's, on some days, they've been single digits. Uh, the average last week on one airline was, I think, 17 people per flight. Unsustainable. Unsustainable in normal times. But the airlines continue to fly the planes, partly because it was part of their deal when they took the federal bailout money. Well, that's part of it. There are a whole, it turns out a whole host of reasons why they're flying empty airplanes. Um, sometimes the airplane needs to get somewhere. Um, the next flight may have, uh, uh, you know, a much better passenger load on it. The airplane may need to get to a particular maintenance space for overnight work. May need to even, uh, this one surprised me, they're moving around airplanes for parking spaces. So there's so oh, many airplanes. Explain that again. So many airplanes are now grounded and parked at airports that overnight parking spaces are at a real premium. So so JetBlue, for example, they have some parking spaces in Boston. They got to get airplanes to Boston that night or they're not going to have a place to park. And and I, I sure never thought of Boston as, <laughs> as a, <laughs> a place where you go to find parking because many Boy. times I've been unable to find parking in Boston. The, but, the, the, the idea that we would see a day in which there are more planes on the ground than in the air is crazy. I mean, the, the, the pictures that I've seen and that you've seen of now, you know, now unused runways with airplanes parked wing to wing, nose to nose, tail to tail are astounding. Yeah. And sometimes empty flights are going because the crew needs to get somewhere. Sometimes actually because of the people on board. Um, I, I know JetBlue flew some flights where they found out that the, the six people on board were all healthcare workers going to New York. And they said, you know, we're going to fly those trips to get those people there. I get it. But here's the irony of this. You know, the airlines are keeping their employees through September 30th. A lot of redundancies right now since they're flying essentially empty planes. But when travel starts to, you know, kind of trickle back by September, that's when that government bailout money basically dries up and the airlines are already telegraphing to their employees in many cases, be prepared for layoffs. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be really hard to tell what demand is. We're already seeing situations yeah. where people are complaining that 85 percent load factor on a flight or, you oh, know, all the middle seats are filled. Um, the, so oh, think, the, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, the good, good old days, but it's scary now. Um, so is. this is going to be a real problem going forward when they try and figure out how many people to keep, how many airplanes to keep and bring back, and not knowing what kind of travel demand there's going to be. 
My thanks again to Scott McCartney of the Wall Street Journal. And you can see more of Scott on my public television show, The Travel Detective. And as they say, check your local listings. Up next, I'll talk with Charlie Leoka about one of his favorite subjects, and mine too, passenger rights. You know, when you think about, you know, the latest bailout to the airlines, over $58 billion, a lot of it came with some strings attached about stock buybacks and where the money was going to be spent. But one of the original hopes during that bailout was that it might contain some passenger protection provisions, some consumer protections, something that my next guest has been arguing about for years. And so it opens up the door for at least us to have a conversation about it today. He's the president of Travelers United, Charlie Leoka. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Glad so to let's, be- go, let, let's go back to that original legislation, because when it came out, you know, there were so many things we wanted to see in there. Uh, it was sort of like this pent up demand for, OK, you want the money now? Here's what you're going to have to do to get it. It didn't quite work out that way, did it? No, it really didn't. It, um, the initial discussions were that, you know, if they got the money, they couldn't use it to buy back stuff. They couldn't use it to give their executives uh, any kind of bonuses and so on. And all of that got into the bill. But I was looking also to try to get a, you know, something directly for the consumers. We wanted to have a, uh, a system set up so that if you were sick, you weren't required to fly. You weren't you didn't have to pay a penalty in order to um, to not get on the plane. You know, let's let's talk about that, Charlie, because I go I go back with you a long time and you've been arguing about this for a long time. And. Believe it or not, it also has an application for, for cruise passengers, because if you take a look, I'll, I'll, I'll back into this, if you will. Okay. When, you, when you take a look at, uh, at up until recently in the pandemic, the cruise line refund policies were nothing short of draconian within 60 days of departure. And we all remember the days of the norovirus, when, which is basically a gastrointestinal uh, problem that, you know, forces a lot of passengers to have extended conversations with the porcelain telephone. But but when that happened, I had to go back and see, well, what could have tri- what, could, what could have driven that? What you know, why would that happen? And you look at those refund policies that if you want to refund your trip or at least, you know, postpone it because you're not feeling well, uh, the cruise lines basically say you're out of luck and you lose your entire uh, payment that you've made for the cruise. So the the, uh, the sort of the anecdotal argument that you could make, I don't know if you could prove it scientifically, although I would sort of bet my career on it, is that <laughs> there are a lot of passengers who were then saying, well, I paid all this money. And even though I think I have the flu or I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to forfeit these dollars. I'm, I'm going to show up anyway. And so they're already boarding the passenger. They're already boarding the ships already sick. So that yep. was the cruise ship model that I was looking at prior to the pandemic, which the cruise ships obviously are now been forced to change their refund policies and rebooking policies. But the airlines are in the same position that the cruise ships were before the pandemic. So now I'm going to let you tell that story. But I mean, I, I want to let you know that I know you've been working on this for a while. Right. And. And what happened is about two years ago, I actually could go, I got the opportunity to go through exactly this problem. When I was over in uh, Spain on my normal um, adventure of running the bulls, I ended up uh, contracting pneumonia. I went to the doctors, they gave me, they put me on antibiotics, uh, and they said, you just have to sleep. And so I was, and I, I took the train down to Madrid, I went to get on my airplane, and I was flying out on on an American, on a U.S. airline. And I said to them, I said, look, I really shouldn't get on the plane because I've got pneumonia. I know I'm infectious and I should just stay here. And they said, "Okay, no problem. If you want to stay here, you can do it. But it's going to be a three hundred dollar change fee and you've got to pay the difference in airfare. And so the whole thing came to almost two thousand dollars. And I went, whoa, I said, just because I want to stay here, you, you know, can't you just put me on a flight, you know, 
four or five days from now after my antibiotics have kicked in and so on? Oh, no, we can't do that. You, do you have any insurance? No, I don't have insurance for that. And so I just said, fine, I'm just going to go. And I got on the plane. I just sort of kept to myself and uh, slept most of the way across the Atlantic. And um, and then when I got home, I was just bedridden for almost a week. But that was a situation where they basically forced me, unless I wanted to spend $2,000 to stay in, in Madrid, plus my food, plus the apartment and everything else, which I would be willing to pick up. But um, in terms of the airfare, they just really kind of twisted my arm and said, get on the plane. Right. I, I doubt they would do that now. Well, uh the problem right now is is that the same law, the same contract of carriage, which said that I had to pay them the change fee and the difference in the airfare, is still in effect. So what what they've done right now is they've changed the um, the law, but it's all temporary. It's only until you know they keep putting out until the end of the of a certain month, and then the end of the next month. Now they take us to the end of the year, and so. Uh, if we wanted to do the same thing, if if you walked up and you said, I've got coronavirus, and you walked in in uh, the middle of next year, they'd probably say, oh, sorry, going by the book, you can't get out of this whole thing. Well, you and know, so it's, funny, it, it, it's funny, Charlie, because we all know, and, and I, I understand the sentiment, and in fact, I respect the sentiment of all the major travel providers, not to mention the Fortune 500 companies, who've taken out all those television ads saying, we understand, we're with you, we're all in this together. I saw one, a very funny posting on the web the other day from an airline passenger said, you say we're all in this together. Where were you when you told me my bag weighed 51.5 pounds? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and no, you wanted no. to charge me $300 for that, you know. It's, it's true. I mean, and I, you know, I, I, I've, got lots, <laughs> I've got lots of where were you stories, you know. They used to make me pay $75 to get on a – or $50, I forget – to get on a, a, an earlier flight, my, my flight in from Europe came in early, and my uh, niece and I were waiting at JFK. We just wanted to fly up to Boston. And they said, sorry, that'll be uh, $50 a piece if you want to get on an earlier flight. And I said, well, I don't want to pay $50. You know, that's another 100 bucks. So we just sat there. We had to go through, sit through two shuttles going up there. Finally, they put us on the, on our, on the one plane that we had our reservation on. And they said, you know, you have to fly on that plane. You can't, we won't move you. And it made no difference to them whatsoever because the other planes were empty and my plane was empty. I but, know. Well, we're living in a world up until the pandemic where the airlines embraced the uh, the philosophy because they wanted to generate revenue from everything short of breathing. And the philosophy was no waivers, no favors. Um, and they weren't, you know, there used to be something, uh, you're old enough to remember this, Charlie. There used to be something called the flat tire rule. You remember the yeah. flat tire rule? For those of you who don't, I'll tell you what it is. The flat tire rule is, let's say I was, I was booked on a 10 o'clock flight from Chicago to Los Angeles, and I'm driving out to O'Hare, and I get a flat tire, and I got to get out, pull off on the side of the road, get the jack out, replace the, you know, put the spare on. Well, I miss the flight. I show up at the airport at 1020, and in the old days, they'd, they'd say, no problem, we'll put you on the noon flight, and that would be that. Not anymore. Uh, you know, they got rid of that. And it's still up to the discretion of the counter agents, but more often than not, they are they are being told by their upper management, no waivers, no favors, and you get stuck with that change fee and the uh, difference in airfare. That's right. And but you know, I will say this much for the airlines: if you show up within an hour or so and you just miss the flight, 
they will normally try to put you on the next flight. But the problem these days is that the flights until the coronavirus were all flying at 80 and 90 percent capacity. Yeah. They were packed. And, and some and so most of the flights were you know, just wasn't anywhere to sit. And if you wanted to be upgraded or you were flying on space available, you were just absolutely uh, out of luck. And yep. So that's what ended up happening. And uh, and it's continued because they've they're still, you know, that's the way they look at it. And it, it so there's also no waivers and no favors if they but if they can, sometimes some airlines will do the right thing. And so they'll, they'll just move you right over. All right. So here's the stupid question of the day. We've now just gone through a, a, and still going through a terrible point in our history with travel. Financially, it's just, it's just an un, unbelievable the, the amount of losses. Uh, the airlines are hemorrhaging money at the rate of sometimes a hundred million dollars, uh, you know, a day. Uh, this is crazy. Um, and uh, uh, Lufthansa was was hemorrhaging. It just their operation alone was operating was losing a, a million euros an hour. So I yeah. get that. But when we come out of this, and by the way, I think we're all you know I think we're all reasonable people that we nobody wants to deny the airlines a reasonable profit. But in a situation where we've just come out of this, what do you think the prospects are finally, maybe on a bipartisan level, to get some legislation in Congress that you've been lobbying for that really does protect consumers in some of these key areas? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to find out. I've just learned. I hate to sound jaded after being in Washington now for about 12 years working on these issues. But I've really learned that we're in a situation where I hate to say it. Money talks and the airlines have a lot more money. They've got a lot more big uh, people that are working on things. And so the consumers really are, you know, we're sort of hat in hand, really working to get this thing done. Can you really get Congress to agree on something? Because the one thing that travel does, it crosses over politics, it crosses over, you know, demographics. We're all, we really are all in this together. And when and it comes into a, engendering ill will among passengers, the airlines have no favorites. So when we can actually turn things around that doesn't necessarily negatively impact their profit, but does improve and make safer our experience, what are you looking at? Well, I mean, we're, right now what we're trying to do is we're trying to, first of all, we're trying to change the sick passenger rules. That's number one. Number two, where we've got other rules such as the full refund rule. If the airlines cancel a flight, they are required to pay you to refund you all the money you've spent for that flight. Right. And that rule, by the way, Charlie, is on, on the books already at the U.S. Department of Transportation. And as I said many times on this show before, it's even carried on the contract of carriage of a number of carriers, including Delta. That's right. And then when what, what ends up happening is they end up trying to find a way to get around it. And right now we've got one one of the uh, major airlines, uh, United, is basically saying, OK, guys, you know, they announced that they're going to cut all their flights by 90 percent. And then they come out and they say, OK, you have to make your decision by the end of May and about whether or not you're going to cancel a flight or not. And you know that their flight's going to probably be canceled. And so they're really playing a game of chicken with their passengers. Instead I've been of- saying this. Yeah. Who's yep. going to blink first? Exactly. And it- here's the problem. You, you bring it up, Charlie. If you have to make a decision by May about your September flight and you cancel, then you're stuck on the old game of, of the reef of the uh, of the fees and the, and the and the rebooking fees or that voucher it has to be them canceling exactly and they know that and so at first they you know they sort of said okay no problem you can cancel your flights and then we had two airlines united and JetBlue. those two airlines for the most part would say sorry you're only going to get a credit and if you don't fly by the end of the year then we may give you your money back so in other yeah, words they're getting a free 
a free loan of your money that you can spend or you should be able to spend because they're not providing any service to you. And they keep it for almost half a year or, or nine months and then they might give it back to you. So it was just um, it's just not very good right now. And we now have uh, airlines sort of playing chicken with you. Uh, once again, that's mainly United, which is doing that. Uh, and so we've got a real problem. And in Europe, even though the European airlines fall under the U.S. rules and regulations, they also have their own uh, European Union rules. And so the European Union rules are now up in the air because they're petitioning the government to allow them to not have to pay back people, but just provide credits. And then have a real then we'll have a problem which gets bigger than only the DOT. Now the State Department's going to have to get involved in it. And this can go forever. And we'll be to the end of the year before anything happens. Although I will say this, under the U.S. Department of Transportation rules that exist now, it applies to any airline operating to or from the United States or within the United States. So even though Air Canada can get a court to rule that they don't have to give a refund for folks flying within Canada, that doesn't apply in the United States. If you're on an Air Canada flight from New York to Toronto and they only want to give you a voucher, no, the U.S. Department of Transportation rule means they have to give you the refund. That's right. They have to give you the refund. But we're just running. What My only point is that we're running into lots of situations now where the airlines are coming up with any kind of excuse not to provide the refund. And the other thing that ends up happening uh, the big thing about this refund issue has been that the uh, DOT also said that if you got a person to actually um, only take a credit, you now have to go back to that person and tell them that they could have gotten a full refund and then give that person a choice. Exactly. And, and that I have not yet seen the letters that the airlines are sending out. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. They haven't exactly jumped at that. Yeah, they haven't jumped to, to attention on that one yet. Um, and, so, and we're going to follow up with them on that because that's because what the DOT said in that same letter is that if you don't, we're going to take enforcement action. Right, and we're going to charge you more for the enforcement action. Exactly. And, and so I, now I, it's going to be it's going to be a big question. One more thing, Charlie, before we lose you here, and that is, you know, we all know that between now and the end of June, Delta Airlines is basically saying to you, no matter what. Airline, what, what flight you take with us, you're never going to put you in a center seat. Uh, other airlines have said the same. Uh, and at the same time, isn't it interesting about how we're going to come out of this, whether or not anybody will ever want the center seat? Frontier Airlines today is basically saying that if you want to make sure the center seat is available next to you, you can block it for $29. They're looking for revenue anywhere they can get it. But the other yeah. interesting thing is this. While we're talking, while we're on the air right now, American Airlines, talk about not reading the room. American Airlines is sending a lot of their A321 jets to maintenance in Tulsa for one reason and one reason only, to install more seats on the plane. Are you kidding me? It's absolutely crazy. They all know that they're not going to be back to normal, and they're still putting in more seats forever. I just find it really amazing. I mean, listen, when they do that, I'm waiting for the FAA to finally get their act together and have evacuation tests the way they're supposed to be done with a fully loaded plane with a great cross-section of age, infirmity, carry-on bags, pets, and half the exits blocked in the dark. They're supposed to be able to evacuate the plane in 90 seconds or less. And they always seem to pass the test because my guess is that they hire the cast from Cirque du Soleil. But right now, if you're going to put even more seats on those planes... 
Yeah. Somebody has to, to hold them to the fire and say, literally, evacuate this plane in less than 90 seconds. And I bet they can't. And that's what I want to see happen. Probably yeah. Leoka from Travelers United. Thanks, Charlie. And you can get more information on all the things they're doing by logging on to travelersunited.org. And thank you, as always, for listening to the Ion Travel Podcast. For more interviews with the world's leading travel industry professionals, as well as answers to your travel questions, make sure to subscribe, rate, or review the Ion Travel Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also go to PeterBeanberg.com for the latest in travel news. And I'll see you next time on another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.